we're back. Uh, episode seven of the Midtown Madness podcast with Peter Hale and Zach Miller. I'm Zach Miller, joined by Pete Hale. Uh, Pete, how we doing? Uh, it's the second time we're trying this. I am the biggest moron on the planet. Uh, I'll also blame it on jet lag, even though I didn't switch time zones. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I forgot to hit record. I'm doing all right for you know. <laughs> For the second time, I'm doing our, I don't have as favorable uh, uh, lighting this time. I had to switch rooms, um, but but yeah, you know, I'm okay. Uh, and, and we're not. And the unfortunate part is, is we're not getting the uh, the reactions that uh, of mine to uh, the games I was watching. The Oral Roberts making the Sweet Sixteen, like that. The, that reaction is completely out the window now. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're gonna probably be a little more concise than we did. Uh, in the episode we didn't record, uh, because I I'm, I have to apologize to Pete Hale's family for keeping him uh, an extra hour because I'm I'm the idiot. Um, no, the kid the kids don't know they're asleep, and my, my I'm sure my wife doesn't care. So, <laughs> oh my God, some uh, men's basketball their season ends um, with a uh, kind of a I, you know what. It's, I'm not even going to call it a bummer loss because I don't know if I can bl- like feel like this was a bad game. Uh, they lose 74-68 in Frisco, Texas uh, in the first round of the NIT. Uh, yeah, it, it was, a, it was you know, uh, not a great game or not a good game, not really a, a terrible game. Uh, just kind of got beat. Yeah, it was a bad first half. The first right. half felt a lot like the um, either half, honestly, against St. Bonaventure. Um, we, we made a lot of the same mistakes. We played into a team's strengths, uh, played to their pace. Um, um, Mississippi State is exactly who we thought they were, who we, mm-hmm. we, we talked about last week when we previewed them. And um, we talked about today, too, already. That's right, yeah. <laughs> they, they're, they're big. They're not a great offensive team. They're not a finesse team. They don't um, – they, they, they play slow. They rebound really well. They block a lot of shots. We played to all their strengths in the first half, just like we did against Bonaventure. And, um, and, and that's unfortunate because, you know, we got to the end of that half, and I think people were tweeting, like, a lot of the same thing. I know I did. It was like we're down seven, but it feels like we're down 20. So it was both, um, you know, dis- discouraging but really hopeful at the same time because um, when you're down seven, you can put together a good first half and get right back in it. Yeah, I know. I got on. Sorry. I got on Twitter Live and kind of tried to tried to recreate my halftime uh, talk from uh, Bonaventure in the A10 Championship in uh, 2019. You know, we're down, but it, it it's not as bad as it feels. You know, so um, yeah, it was a tough game. The second half was great. I really enjoyed uh, the pressing uh, style of play that we that we implemented. Uh, you know, it, it really seemed to turn the game around and get the offense flowing. And I think I would, I would like to see it more often uh, next season. I think we have the, the athletes and the, and the active hands to do it. Yeah, the press worked. And credit to Ford in this case because um, we, I know a lot of people have gotten on him um, over the course of this season for not really showing us a lot of adjustments coming out of halftime. Um, it, it feels like games have really been decided in the first half. And that wasn't necessarily, even though we did lose um, by almost a, the same margin eventually um, that we were down at half, it didn't feel this time like the game was decided because we got right back into it, um, you know, and they had to hit some free throws at the end to ice it. But um, 
he he came out with that press and it worked it worked really well we got um um you know not all obviously not all their turnovers came in the second half but but stewart um you know one of their guards coughed it up seven times uh i think molinar is the only guy on their team who didn't turn it over at some point um this the the press really got to them and, and even when they weren't turning over even even when they were getting some points out of it um they were clearly frustrated and 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 we finally took some some control of the game and got back into it yeah it it, who who really stood out in this game as as a you know the impact player for the Billikens to you? You know, it, I think everybody kind of pitched in, but you know there wasn't really a super standout. You know, um, he he had a bad start, and he looked a lot like he did against Oshuni um, and Bonaventure um, French. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, he winds up putting together a game where he's got seventeen and ten plus three assists, three steals, and four blocks. He had a great game, um, um, a game more in line with some of his best performances as like a sophomore or a junior. Um, just, a, just a really sound game all around. And I, so I have a hard – even, even though early on it kind of looked like, Hassan, what are you doing? You're, you're playing right into their hands. You're going up – you're forcing things against bigger bigs. Um, you turn, he turned the ball over a couple times. Uh, he, he righted the ship and really gave us a, especially a strong second half. And, and I, th- I think he was probably our best player, even if uh, uh, Perkins was his, his normal self, um, kind of the, the, the silent assassin, maybe except for one play. Um, man, Perkins just, I, I've, I've never seen someone so sneaky athletic. Yeah, he, I, that's a that's a good way to put it because most of his points come off of just one or zero dribbles. Um, he gets he he gets the ball and pretty quickly it's it's he's scoring. So um, he doesn't flash a whole lot of athleticism throughout his game, but uh, but he certainly did on that dunk. Um, you know, driving in from from beyond the perimeter and and uh, putting it on his head, as they say. Uh, I actually did that. I'm sorry for people not listening, for not watching. Uh, I did the, what, what Pete is talking about is um, when you see a player on the bench after a big dunk, I think you saw Demarius do it. Was it Demarius? I think, yeah, it was Demarius. Yeah. You, you, tap, you tap your head, um, kind of right. like you'd be putting on a top hat um, or a bowler, <laughs> whatever you want to say. Um, really current references and, uh, you know, I, items of clothing that people still wear. Um, but that the video I'm telling you guys at home on TV on replay, none of it does that dunk justice. I lost my shit. I I felt I thought I was in an and one mixtape tour in like 2003. Like I just I went bonkers. I think I pushed my friend that I happened yeah. to be standing in the vicinity of. It, it, I was it, just it, like, oh my god. It played way better live than it did in slow motion. Um, it was, one, you know, some are the opposite, but this was one where I wish they would have just given us a bunch of replays at full speed um, because it was, that, that's the way that that dunk would, would be appreciated. And it almost made you forget about the lob to Hargrove in the yeah. first half um, or the kind of uh, double clutch up and under that, that French had um, when he and Goodwin had a two on O in the second half. Yeah, that was that was funny. I, Goodwin was just, you know, he kind of, hey, yeah. go do something weird. I yeah, mean, that was great. I mean, like that one, uh, 
go all three of those plays would have just absolutely set Chaffetz Arena on fire. A packed sure. Chaffetz Arena. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's, that's a good point, actually, because this is one, you know, a game played in a relatively empty, neutral um, facility is way different than, than, than maybe how this would have gone at home um, with plays like that, you know, even in a game that, that they lost and where they were, the offense was kind of stuck in the mud so much the first half. Um, they, they delivered some serious entertainment value there. You, you know, the, the, the lob to Hargrove was one where um, when it was in the air, I was kind of like, oh, that, oh, you know, nice try, good attempt. I like that idea. And then Hargrove, <laughs> Hargrove finishes it, and it was like, whoa, okay, all right. Yeah, it was kind of like he caught it, like, here. Yeah. Like, way back behind his head, and you're yeah, just, yeah. oh, oh, my God. Uh, th- there's some players on this team, man, that are just – like freak athletes it's incredible i think i was i was actually talking with my lift driver uh he was uh plugged into the st louis hoop scene i think he name dropped a few i think he name dropped tate in there um and shamanad talked about shamanad and whatnot but uh he said speaking of the shirt you're wearing um but like I, i mean obviously fred thatch is not the player that a guy like lebron is but in an athletic comp, like an athletic contest of any of all different athletic feats, I would, I he wouldn't be that big of an underdog. I can't imagine. Yeah, we've got a lot of athleticism on this team, um, you know, and if, yeah, Thatch for sure. Even though this wasn't his his best game yesterday, he had a, you know, he got in some foul trouble and and had a rough game. But um, but yeah, I think the athleticism is is um, like you said, maybe that's that's kind of a, a good reason to maybe throw a press on some teams more often, you know, like we're, we're going to have the athletic advantage most nights in the A-10 next season. Um, I wouldn't mind putting this look out there against a team like Davidson um, or another, another power conference team like this, like Mississippi state. Um, Plotting slow. Yeah. Yeah. Are... Maybe, maybe Minnesota, although they had a couple good guards who I think would have, would have probably handled it. But, uh, but there were some teams, you know, Seton Hall in, re- in recent years that we played that I think maybe a press, a press does get to them a little bit and kind of plays to our strengths um, a little bit more than we realize, even though it's, it's not something that I think Ford has historically put out there very often. He's, he's not a coach who plays, um super fast even though he's had some pretty he um, likes to talk up the to playing playing fast doesn't he for a play like he's never actually followed through in that no he really hasn't and when you when you go back and kind of look at his um like like some of the offensive ratings and things like that he um he does not play at a very fast speed it's it's pretty average overall most seasons um so he he says he will but i don't know Maybe something like that can kind of, uh, you know, remind him that that's a look that we, that's something that we can pull off and, and um, use it in situations where it makes sense. Yeah, I think we're going to have, uh, you know, the, the personnel to do more of the running, gutting, you know, you got Yuri Collins. Uh, I'm sure we'll add a guard that'll, that'll, a secondary ball handler. Hint, hint for everybody yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you can read between the lines there. Um, you know, I, I, you, you know, you mentioned before we uh, realized that I had not recorded the episode, uh, the transfer market. I feel like, you know, we'll put, we'll, we'll move on from this, you know, this game because it's, it's painful memory. Uh, not actually, it's not that bad, but um, 
Yeah. What do you see uh, going forward with the transfer market? Well, I mean, it's going to be the most, this is going to be the most active transfer wire in college basketball history. Um, the transfer portal normally tops out in recent years. It's been um, right around a thousand and that, and people, in recent years have thought, wow, it's getting, it's really getting out of control because it's crept up from the mid hundreds. Um, you know, every season it's like a little bit more. And, and the last couple of seasons, it's been right around a thousand. And this year, there's no way it doesn't blow through a thousand. I think we're already at around 700. So, um, so that's just going to, it's going to keep growing. And, um, and I think SLU has, has basically said we're, you know, I mean, they, they haven't been active after, after we lost out on Jordan Nesbitt, um, they haven't been active in the 2021, um, the senior high school class. So it's going to be all about this transfer market. And I think if I'm SLU, I'm looking for, um, like you said, a secondary ball handler for Collins and someone who's maybe a little more natural on ball than Goodwin, um, but also someone who's maybe a little more natural scorer because as much as I love Jordan Goodwin, as, as unique a player as he is, uh, there's no there's no rebounding guard in college basketball like him. Um, he's not a pure scorer, and and some and I think there are going to be so many options available um, on the transfer wire um, this season. I mean, I can think of multiple players that are on the wire already that we've recruited out of high school who who, who maybe we call up again or something like that. Um, guys who can handle the ball and guys who can score on all three levels. Um, and then, yeah, I'd also be looking for probably a stretch four because we've got the, we've got the, the post anchored pretty well between um, Okoro, who I think is, is going to be an awesome replacement for French, um, and then Linson and Bell. Um, I, I, if, if you can find uh, somebody who's got some size and length and who can step out and shoot it and stretch defenses, mm -hmm. that would be a really nice piece on this team. So those, those are kind of the two things that I'd be looking for this year. You mentioned uh, Jordan Goodwin and and, uh, and not being a pure scorer. I I think I said, is there? A, I asked the question: Is there a player that stinks at scoring that scores as many points as Jordan Goodwin? Because he does not. You don't give him the ball to go get a bucket. You don't run a play for Jordan Goodwin. Jordan Goodwin hunts his his scoring. He does, he is not uh, given the opportunity to score. That's exactly right. Yeah. When he's, when you're not a pure shooter and um, you know, you don't create a ton um, he's, but, but you've got that offensive rebounding ability and he just, he creates chaos. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite things over the, the, the years that he's been there is when SLU puts together little highlight packages for players. Um, every once in a while, they'll do like a Yuri Collins little hype video, like before the season or something. Mm -hmm. And in all of those, those videos that are for other players, you see Goodwin just coming into frame and grabbing offensive rebounds or like just creating um, disruptions for the other team. He's really fun to watch when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Um, he, I, I think he's actually more interesting to watch when he doesn't have the ball than, than, than when he does, just because uh, you're right. That's, that's how he creates. I'm really proud of you for finding another adjective under uh, other, or as an adverb disruption adverb. Anyway, Finding a, a synonym for havoc without using havoc, so so hats yeah. off to you because I think, yeah, that's, I mean, that is by far the most overused defensive term in college basketball. Well, and it's also trademarked now, so I don't want to have to pay VCU every time. <laughs> we can't afford it. We don't have the rights to it, so right? yeah. yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get hit with a copyright strike on YouTube. Uh, no, this. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a bummer to end the season. It's a bummer to lose two seniors. Uh, you got Javante coming back and, and we're going to have a lot more. I think we're going to do a season ending recap. We may even do a special episode, you know, recapping the career of Jordan Goodwin. Uh, and I obviously, I hope that either or, or both those two come on this pod as uh, as inter- an interview episode, because uh, there's a lot to talk about and a lot to get into. And I think a lot that fans probably don't know. I don't know. And I, I would like to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, everything yeah, that, that went down. Cause this, their careers were sagas, man. I mean, especially Jordan Goodwin. Good, Goodwin and French have, they're going to be some of the most interesting, uh, you know, I don't, not controversial because they, people really do love both of them. Yes. But um, some of the more compelling legacies in SLU history. Um, a, another duo that you look back at and kind of look at and think what, a, what could have been was Lish and Liddell coming in in the same class. And, um, unfortunately, right in the middle of their careers, going through a coaching change mm-hmm. to a coach who's not necessarily a player's coach, but a system coach who would rather spend two or three years teaching his system and losing than finding ways to win right away. He'd rather have guys who come in fresh and by the time they're seniors know how to win. Um, and good Lish, Lish and Liddell were victims of that. Um, and then you look at Goodwin and French, who, who played for Ford their entire careers and, and had some opportunities, but there were extenuating circumstances in three out of their four seasons mm-hmm. um, that, that basically blew up what every year looked like could have been a tournament team um, in the preseason. And, and that's just, it's crazy. I can't, I can't think of any other situation that's been like that, um, where you look at a player's career and all this promise every single year that somehow just blows up. Um, so, so yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to those two, especially. Um, and, and we'll have a lot more to talk about on this season too. And, you know, no matter what the circumstances were around this season um, and everything that came along with COVID mm-hmm. um, it's, there's no, there's no getting around the fact that it was a disappointment. So we'll, we'll just have to kind of uh, reckon with that. One of the final things I kind of want to talk about is just how, how nicely done uh, the NIT tournament was uh, put on by the NIT NCAA. Um, just a good event. Uh, be- really nice facilities. Uh, the, the Comerica Center where the, uh, I think the Texas Stars play and the Dallas Stars practice um, where uh, the, 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 I think it's, it's either a Frisco or a Dallas G League team, the Mavericks. Um, G League affiliate plays a really nice uh, facility. Um, you know, Frisco's in a, a really nice town. I, I, from the first moment I got there, I was like, this town's great. Um, but yeah, it was, and it was great to see all the Billiken fans, man. It was, it was good to see some people that I went to college with and um, I hadn't seen in a couple years. And, uh, you know, the Billiken fans were, were there and they were loud and, and they were having fun. And, and it's, it, it's great to, to be around Billiken fans again in an arena setting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad everything was well run. Did we have a kind of a, a good slew cheering section? Yeah. Everybody was into it. I think the slew fans seem to be more into it than Mississippi state fans. The Mississippi state fans were pretty into it. Uh, obviously they have, you know, their, their, um, their big time football school uh, traditions and their everybody's involved. The fan involvement is always there in those schools, you know, the clapping to the fight song and all that stuff. We don't really have that so much. 
Uh, but yeah, I thought the slew crowd was awesome. It was, uh, it was nice to see young people uh, traveling like yeah, the younger alumni, because that's frankly where we're headed is, is, you know, we need the young alumni to step up and, and be passionate fans. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like you also had a pretty nice setup in terms of hotel arena and like places to watch other basketball games. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Um, the hotel was legitimately across the street. It could have thrown a rock and hit the Comerica center from where I was staying. Um, and then there was a really nice bar called uh, trophy park. Um, they had a big TV set up. Uh, they had like two bowling lanes, uh, a ping pong outside, uh, a putting green outside that you could just you know, put around on. Um, and they had all the games on and, uh, that was, they were very hospitable. Uh, I sat up there for like four hours. So, uh, spent quite a bit of money there. I have to check my credit <laughs> card. I, I'm afraid to look, uh, but no, the flights go, go the, the flights might've been the worst part of the whole weekend and that's including a loss. So, I mean, if that's, you know, if the flights are the worst part, uh, it's a pretty good trip. They, they're packing flights now. I mean, it's, there's no middle seat. So uh, I don't like that. I don't like people touching my elbows and stuff. It's weird. I don't, I just, I don't like being yeah. that close to yeah. people in general. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it was fun. Uh, it was good to see everybody. Uh, I was on the flight uh, into, into Dallas with Chris May and Dr. Carr. Um, I didn't realize Chris May was on the flight until – uh, I got off the flight and saw him waiting at uh, the ride share, the same in the same area. So, um, you know, talked to him at the game, talked to Dr. Carr in the airport uh, in St. Louis, actually on the way out. So, um, yeah, we'll see where this go. Like this, this program goes next season. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of all I got from, from the trip. It wasn't, you know, nobody really was out. Uh, everyone kind of went to the game and then went, home which is kind of par for the course in this kind of the the world we're living in currently so yeah yeah unfortunately. you gotta respect that uh for sure right um but yeah city of frisco is really nice if if you if i don't know if there's any d1 schools i guess north texas must be right around there that, they're in denton actually so that's like 45 minutes Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that, that whole area is huge. So I, I don't know. What that was. It, Texas is just massive in general. It was, uh, there were some characters along the way. My Lyft driver was quite the character uh, when I arrived. Uh, so it's just, just characters, man. Um, yeah. I think we can move on to uh, women's basketball. Uh, they're on quite the role, not only in their season, but in postseason. Uh, obviously they suffered that setback in the uh, A-10 tournament but they continuing their winning ways in the WNIT. You know, I was a little skeptical um, when this team got in to the WNIT because I didn't know um, whether they really earned it. Uh, you wonder. I mean, you know, obviously I have mad respect for this team and, and I think what they're doing is amazing, but you just don't know if, they, if the reason they were in was because teams turned it down or not. Uh, I think you probably had less turndowns uh, on the women's side. It just sent – the, gr the gratitude on the women's side of athletics seems to be so much higher uh, and wanting to keep playing and wanting to be to, you know, to do th like, even like you saw the NCAA had the, uh, the weight room thing. Uh, like the women right. were like, they got the weight room right. and like, all right, like, this is a great weight. Like, this is great. Like, thanks. Yeah. Like they appreciated that they made them, they were made whole in the situation. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of attention on that this season, and that's great. Uh, but yeah, I was, you know, I just, you wondered if, if they'd step up and, and they have certainly done that. They have. Yeah. I mean, when, when we were previewing DePaul, um, cause, cause really we only previewed one team, um, right. their, their first game. Um, did I, but, did I drunkenly, uh, preview Northern Iowa on Twitter? <laughs> I don't remember. A few things on Twitter. Yeah. I, um, I, because I know I pre-ordered a, a Lyft when I was uh, completely, literally, I went on the Lyft app this morning and I, the car was already on the way, but I ordered it to the bar. <laughs> like, like, it was the most adult thing I did and I couldn't even get that right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, uh, fun weekend. Yes. Anyway, so back to the women's. Well, we, I mean, we said, look, like DePaul's a Big East team. They've made the tournament every year since 2002. This is about as bad an NIT draw as you can have. Even if their their season was completely derailed by COVID, they were a sure thing for the tournament before that. Um, you kind of thought like, well, if they're if they're in anything resembling full full health, um, we're in trouble. And all SLU does is go out there and beat them. So, yeah. um, so huge huge credit to SLU in this one. It was it was a it was a great hard fought, um, well played game and um and and yeah really exciting to get that win over to paul you know what it's it's a game that would uh make slew fans reminisce of uh the game the majerus era teams against vcu um it was a game where you were going into uh, against a team that'll turn you over and if you get turned over enough they're just gonna run right over you and and beat you down and the billikens held on to the ball and that was the key to the game it like I think I, I almost I almost was uh, Nostrazakis over here. Um, Julia Martinez, man, the the dyna, dynamic sophomore point guard comes out with a with a huge game that I think probably seals this win. Yeah, you said to keep an eye on her because um, you know she's she's a Northern Illinois um, player. So you, so you said keep it keep an eye on her going into this game, and she. Came came off the bench as she always does, sixth the the sixth player, and um, she got starter minutes basically, um, and and not only did she protect the ball and and um, and not let DePaul's style get to her, um, she created some steals. She played great defense, and she hit three three uh, three huge three pointers down the stretch. I, th I think they all came in the third quarter um, when SLU went on a little bit of a run to kind of give themselves a big lead in this one. Um, and, and she really fueled that. So huge contribution from her off the bench on a night where Harbison, um, you know, wasn't really hitting from outside. Yeah. This tournament's kind of not been this kind of, this tournament's kind of been uh, everybody, but Harbison show. Um, everyone's kind of stepping up and that's, I think that's what this team really needs. That's right. I mean, she full credit to her because she did hit the two free throws to mm -hmm. ice it at the end. Um, and she also did a good job of, of, of not letting, um, you know, DePaul get to her and, and, and didn't get forced into too many turnovers or anything like that. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was a team effort here. And, and, and Maya Clark had a big game, 20 points, um, shot a lot of threes. Uh, she was four for 10. And then MST, you know, this, this was a game where we kind of looked at, at rebounding. Um, DePaul's a team that plays fast. They score a lot. They're inefficient, but they're not a good, they're, they're in inefficient but high scoring team and they they don't rebound well and that's kind of where one area um i, I thought that that slew could be more assertive and really only mst was the one 
um, who took advantage of that wound up with six offensive rebounds. So, um, you know, got us some second chance points there. Yeah, I just, I can't state enough how much of a turning point this win feels like. Uh, the DePaul's a team that seemed to have had uh, the Billiken women's uh, number uh, in, in all of history, not just recent history. Um, but, you know, you come out and you maybe exercise those demons and maybe it, it, it fuels your fire to go on and, and reach heights now that the team hasn't ever reached. And now we're in territory where every win is the longest this team has ever played. Uh, three wins in 2016 uh, NIT tournament, or two wins? Two wins. Two yeah. wins uh, in the 2016 NIT tournament. So uh, if they can, uh, and we'll get into it, but if they can knock off UNI, um, I, I think Lisa Stone is now the, the best coach in SLU women's basketball history by, uh, far and away. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. I mean, um, Jill Pizzotti, I mean, you, you talk about one program owning another. Um, Jill Pizzotti, who coached at SLU for 10 years, is now an assistant on DePaul. <laughs> so for the, for the coach that used to routinely beat her yes. um, two or three times a season. Um, so De, DePaul's no joke. They're, they're a big time women's program. And, um, you know, um, credit to Sonia Morris, who was their leading scorer with 28. Um, out of Incarnate Word Academy, we knew she was going to be somebody to look out for, and she had a huge game. Um, but but SLU didn't really let anybody else beat them. Um, so so just just a good all around team effort. And and you're right, Lisa Stone is by far the best coach ever to hit this women's program. And I hope we keep her as long as we can because um, you know yet yet to make a tournament. But I think if anyone can do it, it's her. Well, I want to, before we leave this game, I kind of want to drop the, the, how this game played out um, because I bought flow hoops. So you don't have to um, $30 for a subscription a month. God, um, that's insane. Um, St. Louis, you know, the Billikens, they jumped out to a five point lead after the first quarter um, kind of let DePaul back in the second uh, really took over that the game in the third, and it looked like they were going to run away with this one. Uh, but DePaul, being resilient and a, and a very, very good team, uh, outscored them 23-17 to 17 in, the, in the second half and came down to the final possession. Kaija Harbison drives, gets fouled with 4.5 seconds left. It'll remind Billiken fans a lot of the, situationally speaking, uh, the game against VCU was kind of the same deal uh, drive foul, make two shots, you know, except I believe DePaul did get a shot off, uh, but it, it obviously didn't go in and, and the Billikens move on uh, to take uh, on Milwaukee. Uh, and this game was no contest from start to finish. Uh, 61-44 route, um, just an outstanding game all around. Rachel Kent steps up six of seven from three-point range. The only Billiken player to make a three pointer in this one. Yeah. The rest of the team goes zero for eight. So uh, very thankful for Rachel Kent's offensive output in this one, but it was a defensive clinic. That's what the game was all about. And um, uh, Milwaukee was just never really in it. Um, you know, slew held them to 12 in the first quarter up by 11 and then proceeded to hold them to six in the second and nine in the third. And so even though slew wasn't exactly lighting it on fire offensively in the second, third, or fourth quarters, it, it didn't matter because um, they just kept putting a little more distance between the two of them. 
Um, another area where they really shine here was the rebounding battle, plus 11. Um, this was one where, where Flowers had nine rebounds, MST had, had six, and everybody else was just rebounding their position really well. Um, so just a, just a really good night. Um, one of the things that jumped out to me was just the fact that Milwaukee's played 28 games and Slew's played 18. So um, in, in, a, in a very weird COVID year, you kind of wonder if, if this is a sign of a tired team. They had um, uh, it's a crazy stat, 18 fouls to slew six. Um, they shot really poorly overall, um, you know, 18 for yeah. 50 from the field and four for 20 from three. All of these stats kind of jump out to me to tell me, you know, you shoot poorly, you get out rebounded, you're fouling a lot more than the other team. Um, they're tired. That's just, that's every, everything that it says to me, but um, credit to SLU for, for playing lockdown defense and just forcing a bad game out of Milwaukee. Yeah, this, I mean, this Billiken team is rolling and I think it gives a lot of confidence going into uh, their next game. Uh, they will take on UNI in the quarterfinals. This is a team with a mixed bag of results this season, isn't it? Yeah, they've, so they've got, um, They've got two wins over Creighton now because they, they played Creighton in the non-conference schedule and then just just beat them again um, in the women in their last game in the women's NIT. Um, they do have one win over a ranked team this year. They beat um, South Dakota State early on in their non-conference schedule um, and then went out to lose to them the following week. Um, and then it was kind of, uh, you know, mixed bag in the Valley this year. Um, they went 11-7 in conference and, and the Valley was doing the same thing they did on the men's side mm -hmm. where they were playing back-to-back um, -back games. That's um, so hard to string wins together when you're doing it. It really is and they, they mostly they mostly split in those. Um, they, they did have a few where they won both um, and then they did have a few kind of one-off games um, as well but uh, they, they finished the season pretty strong and then um, lost to, to Bradley in the conference tournament before then coming out and pretty soundly beating Dayton in the first mm -hmm. round of the NIT. Yeah, this, yeah. This, this Dayton game, uh, just a lot of stats jump out to me. Uh, on the Dayton side specifically, no, uh, only one person scored in double figures, and that was Makaira Cook. Uh, she's kind of not had her name called a lot, it feels like, when we've played – them so she had a big game uh jenna jacconi aaron whalen and tenon magasa combine for 19 points uh, those are six five and eight respect respectively that is not something you're used to seeing out of uh kind of the straws that stir the drink for date yeah slew fans know that if, if that's if that's what you're getting out of those three combined then then you're probably beating date um, so, um, so, so whatever you and I did, I, I think Slew's probably going to want to get a hold of that game tape for sure. <laughs> They're going to have um, to spend $30 a month to get that game film. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But yeah, I mean, when you look at, um, Northern Iowa, um, kind of as a, a there, there's nothing that jumps out statistically that kind of says, here's something you really need to look out for. Everything here is just a above average team they're they're, they're good um th on paper they're certainly not as good as DePaul and and probably fairly even with uh, Milwaukee um so I think there's probably just a lot of external factors right now they're, they're playing their best basketball of the season arguably right now winning six of the last seven um 
so you know we may be running into a hot team that's just um, um, you know ho hopefully hopefully uh, running out of gas but we'll see yeah it's another team that's played you know 27 28 games so um, you know, can are the Billikens, you know, fresh, fresher? Um, yeah, I the this game will be Monday night tomorrow well, tonight because uh, we're releasing it on Monday. Um, it's at 7 p.m. It's on Flow Hoops. Look, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's worth thirty dollars to to get Flow Hoops for this game, but uh, I mean, if if it's not gonna put a dent in your wallet, uh, do it. It's uh, support this team, I guess, watch this team and uh, show love to this team on Twitter, uh, social media, uh, you know, tweet at Lisa Stone, let her know you're, you're paying attention because um, the more people are paying attention, the more it's going to be noticed by uh, the higher ups. And, and that's, what's really important that we, that we support a team that wins regardless of it, you know, whether it be the NIT or the NCAA. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so support this women's team any way you can. If they win this next game to, um, on, on Monday night, tonight, um, th this will literally be the farthest they've ever gone yeah. in, in a postseason. They've never made a women's um, NCAA tournament. They've made the NIT this now the fifth time. <clears throat> they've never won more than two games in it. So this would, this would officially be their best season ever in terms of postseason performance. So um, show them all the love you can in any way you can. It's so messed up that this that like potentially a WNIT final will be on flow hoops. Yeah, it's yeah. that's so messed. I I don't yeah. even understand how kind of a janky like streaming service gets this sort of contract. Like that's impressive. Like you know what, flow hoops does a lot for like dance and cheerleading. I learned and like really small like high school stuff. Yeah, just Thinking, all the niche stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which you would think would appeal to me because I'm just that weird. Um, it's but, probably mostly for parents of all of them. Yes, these yes, yeah. it is. It's 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 definitely uh, big for that. But yeah. uh, it's amazing that they got that contract. I can't even fathom how that came about or who in the NCAA was like, yeah, that seems like a great idea. Right, right. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, again, make sure you watch if you can if you can swing it watch the game uh, i may try to uh do work a little some magic to see if uh, i can't get it for people that want to watch it that know me and uh or if you want to reach out to me um i might try it um moving on to men's soccer mixed bag uh for the week uh, a 2-0 win over the bonnies uh, a game in which they spent i think the first 15 minutes trying to acclimate themselves to playing on that matted down frozen turf in uh Western New York, uh, Christian Buendia uh, gets on the scoreboard once again. This guy yeah, is getting on the board quite a bit, uh, finding the back of the net uh, uh, a lot right now. In the 39th minute, assisted by Chandler Vaughn, uh, 55th minute, uh, an absolutely incredible pass by Kip Keller over the top of the Bonaventure defense, settled by John Klein in stride and slotted past the goalkeeper. Uh, immediately after uh, an Isaac Blama red card uh, for St. Bonaventure, uh, the Billikens took advantage of being a man up as quickly as they could, uh, and they put the game away. It's 2-0. Uh, this was pretty much outside of that first 15 minutes. This game was completely dominated by Slick. Yeah, which is great to see because, um, you know, Bonaventure is always a tough trip. We, we know that. They're, uh, 
Um, like you said, they're playing on this matted down turf that's just thawing out, just beginning to thaw out really from the winter. I mean, they, they're, still, uh, they're still in the thick of winter up there. So this is a tough road game and uh, credit to SLU for kind of settling in and, uh, and, and, and finding a good game out of this one. This game was tough to watch uh, for a lot of reasons. The camera angle, the sun was setting right in the lens. Uh, the, all, you could hear the fans very, very loudly uh, on the broadcast. Luckily, they fixed that in the second half. Uh, and then, of course, the kind of the rough soccer that is uh, turf soccer. It's, it's a lot of bouncing balls, a lot of uh, passes that are you know, going astray because the ball, like literally you would, you could see it in the Billikens play. They would play a ball over the top that would definitely stop on grass, but on turf, it just, you know, would go. And so they figured it out, came away with the win. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they had to continue the road trip, uh, a brutal travel schedule to play Duquesne uh, Saturday night after, uh, after obviously the men's, NIT game uh, at Duquesne, uh, they lose one nothing, and and I mean everything in this game points to just fatigue. Um, it's a it's a double OT loss, one uh, zero. Uh, Max Maxi Hopfer scores in the 107th minute, assisted by Nate Dragasic. Uh, yeah, it, you know it's tough loss, tough travel, tough loss. Uh, I mentioned it on the episode we didn't record that, you know, it's tough being such a good team and playing in a bad soccer conference because you have to go attack the goal. You have to – you can't just kind of wait it out because the longer these teams grow into the game, the more dangerous it becomes, and every loss is a bad loss. Yeah, that's right. You're getting, you're getting everyone's best game too. Um, so it, it's um... – yeah, with, with soccer programs that have a lot of ambition but are kind of stuck in these conferences, um, that's, that's just going to – you're going to have some bad breaks. Soccer is a cruel game that way. You can outplay teams and lose. I don't know if that was necessarily the case here. Unfortunately, um, you know, they were outshot by Duquesne 7 nothing in overtime mm-hmm. um, across the two overtime periods. Um, it's, it's, look, it's, the, it's a natural second leg of, of a road trip if you're going to go play at Bonaventure because Duquesne's only a few hours south of there. And um, it, it's always a tough road trip, though. Those aren't easy places to get to from St. Louis, you know, in kind of a roundabout way. But, um, but you know, hopefully they rebound from this because they're going to see more of both of these teams um, as, down the stretch this year. Yeah, they get uh, – I believe they come home – uh, for a couple games. Uh, no, actually, they are, they're going to head to Dayton uh, yeah. Sunday, 5 p.m. Uh, so that'll be a tough one. Uh, the last time out, they won 2-0. Dayton, not as good as they usually are. Uh, but I think, uh, I think this is a game you got to win. Uh, on the women's side, uh, they continue to roll, um, only being slowed down by Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. Uh, they beat Dayton in a thriller, and I mean this match was truly exciting to watch. Uh, a three-two win in double overtime. Uh, this was this was crazy for a lot of reasons. A lot of weird things happened in this game. Um, 50, 50, uh, actually in the first minute of the game, uh, Itala Gamelli uh, had a beautiful goal uh, from outside the box, assisted by Kara Camarco. And Audrey Stewart, uh, Lindsay Heckel 
answered right back in the fourth minute, though, and that's what you love to see from a, a team with the talent that the Billikens do. Uh, assisted by Hannah Friedrich, uh, Abby Miller scores coming right out of halftime in the 59th minute on a penalty kick. Uh, Gamelli for Dayton tallies one in the 69th minute, assisted by Jessica Sheldon. Uh, and then the game winner in the 107th minute, Abby Miller, uh, assisted by Hannah Friedrich. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a weird game. There was the the grass was so wet. Um, everybody was slipping and sliding. Billikens were having trouble finding their feet. Um, but uh, the, I think the real crazy part of this whole game is uh, there was a collision involving uh, Puricelli, and she legitimately was holding her arm the, the rest of the game at the 75th minute on. So she played with basically one arm making just incredible saves. So um, I think she's really the, uh, the player of the game in this one. Yeah. Tough as nails. Um, you know, you, I always kind of worry about that stuff. You don't want to hurt somebody long-term, but she right. played the next game. So I'm assuming she's okay. Just and didn't, didn't even look like she was, you know, you know, looked like she didn't miss a beat. So it was, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good to see, and, and this Billiken team continues to roll. It'll be interesting to see as we come down to the wire in this A-10 tournament uh, or in this A-10 season that uh, we've got, uh, you know, two conference or two teams uh, at the top of the conference, and they're going to play the postseason tournament at the number one seed's home field. Now, they're scheduled to be concurrent, uh, so I don't know what the A-10 will do if the men and the women end up in first place. So it'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, might have to find a second site or something like that. It's just, it's weird. I, I don't think they counted on it really, which is right. weird because they both teams were projected top of the top of the table. Uh, women's volleyball just running through real quick. Uh, a 3-0 loss to VCU on Friday. Uh, but then they come back uh, showing some resiliency. Uh, you win 3-2 on Saturday. Uh, you know, it, it, I like the resilience. Uh, this team kind of is who they are, as, you know, uh, Denny Green would say. <laughs> uh, and you would say. Um, exactly. But, uh, you know, I, don't, I never like getting 3-0'd by anybody in conference. So that's really where my sticking point is. I don't really mind losing to VCU. I just would like to be competitive in that loss. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're one of the better teams in conference, but you hate to see that at home. Yeah. Uh, baseball, um, they lost to SEMO on Tuesday, 8-6. to six. Uh, Oral Roberts, um, who just made the Sweet 16 in basketball, uh, beat them on Friday, 14-7. to seven. Uh, Saturday, the Billiken, Saturday and Sunday, the Billikens come back with two wins to take the series, 6-2 and 4-1. So, so nice, nice show of resiliency there for sure. Uh, softball continues to just have a brutal season. Um, you know, they lose to Missouri State on Tuesday, 5-4, uh, and then drop three straight to Iowa State, 11-2 on Friday in six innings, 7-2 uh, on Saturday, and 4-3 uh, on Sunday. Not great stuff happening on the Diamonds for the Billikens. No, it's it's been a a season of kind of bad luck for both of them. Um, just you know, I, I know you said you think that the pitching on the men's side is just not there this year, and and that's probably true. Um, every time you kind of think, okay, maybe they're starting to turn a corner, um, the, you know, they they drop a couple more. So 
Um, just not looking like their season, but I will say they've, you know, they've still got to get into their conference season. They haven't yep. seen any A-10 teams yet. They're a top half A-10 team, and maybe they can kind of find their stride down the stretch. And women's softball, same story. I mean, most, you know, yeah, the, the games against Iowa State weren't all that close, but but they're mostly losing by one or two runs. Yeah. And uh, it's just – it's so frustrating because you feel like they're right there. Um, every game's so close, and, and it's just – they, they, they just can't, uh, can't get in the win column. Yeah, one of the downfalls of the A-10 as a, as a, a, a sports uh, conference is that really outside of men's and women's basketball and even women's basketball is borderline, um, this conference really kind of stinks. Uh, volleyball only has, you know, it's, it's a three-team league and, and SLU's not really that close to being the, the to, to second. Uh, but there's like, there's – the teams below them are not even close to them. It's a weird island volleyball's on. Uh, baseball is, a, you know, uh, every now and then a team will be really good um, in the league, but mo- I think it's pretty much a one-bid league. Softball is pretty bad, too. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a Northeastern conference. So, um, right. you know, not a lot of baseball and softball um, is, is really – it's not, it's not a, a – a focal point of these program of these athletic departments. No, those are both sports that have really the the balance of power has really shifted south and west over time. Yeah. I mean, has, historically, there's there's been a lot of good baseball programs up in the Northeast, and that's just not true anymore. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I guess SLU does have an advantage as kind of the, one of the more southern and western programs mm-hmm. in the conference. But even that, we're disadvantaged against the more regional teams we play against. You know. Um, Mizzou being a, an SEC team, and then some of the other teams we've played out of even Tennessee. Missouri, Missouri Valley puts together a nice, right. uh, a nice conference for baseball and softball yeah. as well. Yeah, so it's it's always going to be an uphill battle in those in those sports for the A10. Um, couple notes on field hockey. Uh, they played really well uh, on Monday uh, at Appalachian State. Uh, they drop a three-two decision. Uh, Billiken scores. Uh, Emily Westell uh, scored for the Billikens, and it only says one goal for the Billikens on the. I have to go to the box score real quick. Um, so looks like in the twenty-first minute, uh, Demi Sahulek Sahuleka, uh, assisted by Lauren Pendergast. Uh, Emily Westell in the thirty-second minute, uh, penalty stroke goal. Uh, and then it looks like they may have fallen apart because they gave up three goals right in a row in the four or in the 45th, 52nd, and 61st. So I mean, it's it it's kind of that old old uh, old habits die hard or uh, trying to change the culture that maybe maybe it's it's still hanging around a little bit. That, well, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's imp- it, it is it is a straight up. Uh, uh, I can't say it's impossible because nothing's impossible, but it is a, it is a Herculean undertaking that uh, Zoe Adkins has here to change a culture and and with a a severely underfunded program. Yeah. And we've, we've gushed about like her already kind of showing discernible progress Mm -hmm. um, in her first couple months here. Um, And that, that I think that's still true, even though they're on a five game, losing streak now they're playing closer more competitive games they're actually showing signs of life as a program um and i you know i gotta think like 
she's at least going to push them forward. I mean, it looks like that's, that's what she's doing. So it's going to be like this. There's, you know, they're still, they're still a bad team. They're still a bad team and they've got a lot to learn and that, you know, there's, they're young, but um, she's moving them in the right direction. And that's, that's all we need right now. Um, one interesting note is uh, the Billikens scored on their first, their first two shots of the game. Uh, and it looks like uh, the, it says no saves for Appalachian state. So I don't know what that, I don't know what, maybe did one get blocked? I don't know if they count a block as a shot on goal. That doesn't seem right. But, uh, you know, it always seems that the penalty corners uh, tilt in the favor. And again, I am, I know just enough about field hockey to be dangerous. I know that giving up penalty corners is bad. Uh, and they gave up eight penalty corners uh, in this one. So, uh, and, and when your goalie has to make 11 saves and, Appalachian State only makes and it's listed as zero saves and uh, it's maybe two of max. Um, that's not good. So anyway, not much more we can really say about that. Um, anything that we glossed over that we forgot to mention that we mentioned in our un, un, uh, unrecorded episode that you want to make sure we bring up? Um, I, I'm sure there were some things, um, you know, that that some 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 pure gold nuggets that were oh. off there. <laughs> uh, the, the live reaction to the basketball on the TV was great. I yeah, mean, yeah. I just, there's. Um, no, I mean, I, I just want, I guess I want to just, um, you know, just reiterate that we'll have plenty more to say on men's basketball yeah. this season, the legacy of Goodwin and French, um, the, the transfer window. We're, you know, it's going to be a huge spring for recruiting, not just transfers, but I'll have, um, you know, plenty to look at in the, the 2022 and younger classes, um, assuming there's going to be an actual AAU season this year. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about. Um, there's still basketball being played out there. So yeah, a lot, lot, lot more to happen. So um, it, it was a rough, a rough, um, well, just a, you know, disappointing finish to a disappointing year, but, um, but, but keep the faith and, and we'll keep talking Billiken basketball. Absolutely. And I know, I know we've got our uh, we've got like some agents behind the scenes trying to uh, trying to some secret agents trying to locate some of these players to try to get us some interviews. So uh, yeah. big thanks yeah. to to your uh, your uh, like the it's like the Kingsman but for for basketball managers. Yeah, like, managers uh, unite. Yeah, we've yes. got we've got some some contacts out there. So hopefully, yes, yeah, so we'll start getting some interviews um, locked down um, this off season as well. And if you guys have any. Uh, any contacts out there if any if anybody listening uh knows any of the players or if any of the players are listening and you want to come on um please contact us our dms are always open uh speaking of which you can follow us on twitter uh at midtown mad pod uh, at peter is a tweeter and i'm at zach miller mmp uh, thank you guys so much for listening i, I say it all the time but it, it means so much and Uh, I have so much fun doing this and I I think Peter does too. I think I can speak for Peter on that. Um, Yeah, this is great. Uh, We really appreciate all the interaction on this and on Twitter and and, and everywhere you find us. So um, so yeah, keep the conversation going. All the good content on Twitter is Peter. All the, all the chucklehead BS is me. Any, any good content. uh, Like I, I bring, I bring the, the, the stupid stuff. Peter brings all the facts. So uh, it's kind of, it's a really, really good, I think we have a really good mix of, of what we bring, what we both bring to this podcast and on Twitter. So, um, yeah, thanks again for listening and go Bills.
Go Bills.